So, uh, uh, hi, it's Graham here. Sorry to interrupt your podcast listening like this, but uh, I wondered if you could do us a little favour. I haven't told Carol I'm going to do this, and frankly, I'm not sure she's going to find out. Let's maybe keep it that way, shall we? Uh, I don't think she listens to the podcast, so she won't hear that I've tacked this on to the beginning. But the European Security Blogger Awards, they're about to happen, and Smashing Security has been nominated in a couple of categories. Huzzah, huzzah! You can vote in the awards for your favourite security blogs and security podcasts, hint, hint, but you've only got a few days before the voting closes. So do it today. Do it now. Hit pause. Oh, not before I've told you the URL. It's smashingsecurity.com slash vote. That will redirect you through magic to the voting form. And, well, hey, made the best podcast co-hosted for the last six or so years by a Brit and a Canadian win. Um, yeah, over to you. Smashingsecurity.com slash vote. Thank you very much. We love you all, uh, at least the people who vote for us. Uh, but for now, back to your normal service. And uh, sorry about this interruption. Newsflash. Newsflash. Last chance to vote for Smashing Security in the Podcast Awards. Vote for Smashing Security in the People's Choice and Technology categories by visiting smashingsecurity.com slash vote. Do it before the end of July, if you know what's good for you. I'm not sure why Graham doesn't have a zip on his pants and I'm English. I'm just, what am I missing? <laughs> he calls them trousers. Yeah, but trousers still have zips. Yeah, trousers do, but I don't have a I don't have a zip on my underpants. Bit hard on the pubes. Oh. <laughs> That's the explicit tag again. Smashing Security, episode 88. PayPal's Venmo app even makes your drug purchases public. With Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, episode 88. My name's Graham Cluley. I'm Carol Terrio. And Carol, we are joined today by a returning guest. We have, in our midst, it's half man, half cyborg, Scott Helm. Hi, Scott. <laughs> welcome back. Hey, everyone. Hello, everybody. <laughs> hello, my name is Scott. How are you coping with your implant? Is your implant well? It's going well, Has yes. Has it been behaving itself? Yeah. I think we should clarify what it is for people that may have not heard the prior article, though. Okay, go, go, go. Tell them. <laughs> And I'll let Graham do it, because Graham, Graham loves talking about this so much. He loves I talking. I just feel like I don't want to take this away from him. <laughs> it was about a year ago, you were with the guys from BBC Click in Las Vegas at the security conferences uh-huh. out there, and um, you volunteered to have one of these, was it an RFID chip plugged into your... NFC for mine. A- but yeah, NFC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> plugged into you um, for a, a wide variety of helpful uses, and um, well, you've been having a splendid old time ever since, haven't you? Yep. It's actually really good. I've got this little... Um, gizmo that one of my twitter followers sent to me and it's kind of you know like you can have a smart card reader to unlock your computer when you sit down yeah well it's like a it does that but for the chip in my hand so now i can sit down at my pc and just go like boop and unlock it without having to type anything in does it ever itch do you ever feel it like feel the nub inside your skin i i mean yeah you can totally feel it because like if i just poke it i can see it like stick out the other side Wow. Like under the skin, so it's kind of like a little miniature tiny alien trying to burst out under. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah! I'm, I'm lining up to get one. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> alien baby! Hey, Graham. Hey, Carl. 
So, you run your own business, right? I do, yes. I run my own business. Yes. And how many different applications and services and software pieces do you need to buy or rent in order to run a business like ours in the technology space? Scores, if not hundreds. It would be physically impossible, would it not, to remember unique passwords for every single one of those apps, let alone your personal life and all the stuff you have there, all the chess and Doctor Who stuff you have. Not completely impossible, because if your password was Doctor Who 1, or chess two. If you if you made so you could have a unique password. They wouldn't be very good passwords though, would they? Yeah. So you're recommending that people have crappy passwords, no. or should they use a password manager like LastPass? <laughs> they should use a password manager like LastPass. I think all businesses have got to really, because otherwise your employees are going to choose sloppy, rubbish passwords. And you're going to get lazy yourself and use the same password for different accounts. Horrendous. So you want central control of everyone inside your business and how they're using passwords and and. Manage it. Check out lastpass.com forward slash smashing. I don't think you need to say forward slash. Anyone who's listening to this <laughs> knows which way the slash goes. You're probably right. Guys, many of us these days have Google accounts, don't we? Whether it's YouTube or Gmail, you know, it's very hard actually to be on the internet without Google, isn't it? It is. There's it loads is, of yeah. experts out there trying to tell you how you can get around it, but it's uh, very difficult these days. And I would hope, as security professionals, which you both are, that you have both enabled two-step verification on your Google account. Have you yes. done so or not? Yes, oh, yeah. Excellent. Well done. It's good that you've done that because uh, according to Google's own reckoning, uh, they said earlier this year that less than 10% of Gmail users have turned on two-step verification. Seriously? Yep. That's shocking. I'm shocking. Yeah, I'm shocked. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> I would have thought at least a quarter. Really? As many as a quarter? Well, you just have to think of how many hundreds of millions of people must have Google accounts. So in some ways... <laughs> less than 10%, you know, isn't bad if it's closer to 10% than zero. But still, though, that's... It is it, disappointing. Okay. But if that were the case, why is it the people with 2FA actually get hit? If the 90% of people don't have 2FA, surely there's enough fodder out there for hackers to focus on them instead of, you know, those with 2FA. Well, yeah, and I think they are focusing on One of the main victims, as we were discussing last week with the Russian hacking of the Democrat yeah. Party, was John Podesta, the chief of staff for Hillary Clinton's yeah. campaign. If he had had two-step verification in place, chances are that the hackers would have found it much, much more difficult to break into his account. doesn't mean it's necessarily impossible, but it it would have been more difficult. Now, Google this week has said that it has done something really rather extraordinary. It has prevented any of its 85,000 employees being fished for an entire year. Not one of them has had their account taken over through phishing. Now, that's interesting. And it is. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of like this really shows the power of 2FA that we know that it has. So it's kind of like that's super awesome and it's an amazing stat, but it's like, this is why we push it, right? It's just solidifying the thing that the security geeks have been saying for a long time. 2FA can't be responsible for 100% of no one getting fished. I, I think we need to be a little bit careful about our terms here because there's two things. There's two-step verification or 2SV, which it's sometimes known as, which is when maybe uh, you have an authentication app on your phone. So when you're trying to log into an account, it also sends you a number. Or sometimes that's sent via SMS as well. And there are issues there potentially where an SMS can be intercepted. And pure 
really good two fa is a second fact which means an entirely different object and what yeah. google has done is it's got all of its employees using what is known as advanced protection a feature which is open to everybody but which google thinks is particularly important for those who are especially at risk such as journalists high profile celebrities top security podcasters individuals in abusive <laughs> relationships so, so basically people that are l- more likely to get fished because of their audience or their celebrity well it's not just those or people who maybe work in business who may be thinking you know my account is so or people in- with viable twitter accounts so they don't tweet out crazy things right, right? exactly <laughs> so so you might want this additional level of protection. <laughs> so what advanced protection uh, does is it demands that you have a physical security key. The most famous one is, of course, the Ubico key. This can be a wireless-enabled key, which means it can connect to both your computer and mobile devices. So it doesn't matter if your smartphone doesn't have a USB port. And basically, it disables all that regular two-step verification, which we would recommend most people enable. But if you want this at a higher level of protection, when you try to log into your google account you've actually got to put your thumb on this physical device and then it goes and that will actually log you into the account rather than having to have a number sent to you via sms or via an authentication app so it's a pretty neat feature and i think google by making all of its employees do it because of course they don't want to be compromised they don't want to be the next yahoo for instance not a good look is it It's not a good luck at all. And so and so they've given them all physical security. Now, of course, it's not all roses. These physical security keys, not everything is fantastic about them. And there are caveats. So if you want to sign up for Google Advanced Protection, which is free, you'll, yeah. s- you'll still have to buy one of these little keys from a company like Ubico. Mm-hmm. But it comes at a price. So you won't any longer be able to use third-party apps to access. I was just going to ask if they changed that. Right. So it's still the case? It's, no third-party apps? Well, there, there are a very small number of third-party apps which will allow you to access some of your Google services. Like what about Apple Native Mail? So you can now, I believe, originally when they brought this out, I believe that you had to use Google's Mail app to yep. use this, like the Gmail app or the Inbox by Gmail. I believe you can now use Apple's iPhone Mail app as well if you want to. But there's many apps which you can't use. So, for instance, I use a particular client for my email. Simply will not work with Google right. Advanced Protection, as Thunderbird won't so work. And, and many you can't just do. create like an app password for your Gmail account? You can with regular two-step verification, but you can't with this additional level of protection, these physical security keys. So Google is saying hey, we are taking security seriously now. We are going to lock down some of the benefits which you've had before and say for proper protection, you're basically they want people to use their apps. And you should forget yeah. about using anything other than Chrome or Firefox browsers to sign in to Google's online services as well because they're not going to be available to you. And I guess them saying 100% of our employees have not been fished is a good uh, marketing campaign, really. Well, I don't know that they're necessarily doing this for, for the marketing kudos. Okay, uh, uh, as, as, a, as a nice, healthy sideline. I think, I think <laughs> they just don't want people being hacked because it, it looks bad. Uh, and so they would like people who are vulnerable to be using these kind of protection. There's other issues as well, of course. Your physical security key, what are you going to do if you lose it? Google says, look, if you lose it, we are going to make you jump through so many hoops, it may take you a few days to regain access to your accounts. 
That's my big fear. I mean, God, I've lost yeah. my engagement ring in the last month, <laughs> right? And I haven't found it anywhere. So, uh, yeah. And is your partner just finding that out now? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that when we when we when we publish the show, he might. It'll be a test to see if he listens. <laughs> yes, that's a good one, isn't it? <laughs> Hello, darling. Uh, I haven't put the bins out. Um, you go. <laughs> but I think for many people, they'd find it too restrictive for use on their everyday accounts. And, and uh, you know, that's that's going to be a nuisance because a lot of people do want to use third-party apps in conjunction with their email or data held on Google Drive, for instance. But it's good to see Google offering this for people who need it. So I think, well done. Sorry, Graham, what? is this a good news story? <laughs> well, holy moly. The good news is Google have had a success. The bad news is many other organisations won't follow in their footsteps, who maybe should have done. Mm. And at the moment, as we said, less than 10% are even using the barest two-step verification to prevent themselves from being fished. Yeah, yeah. This is a very good idea for companies as well that feel targeted or are carrying very sensitive information than if everyone, because something like 90% of successful attacks have some component of social engineering in it. Yes. Which is likely to include something of a phishing nature. So it's a good idea. And bear in mind that even if you think you wouldn't be targeted by hackers in your particular organization you may have clients who are of interest to them and so increasingly we see malicious hackers who will hack into the soft underbelly of one company in order mm. to try and infect other larger more obvious targets that's often I think the a way lot of people do that and kind of underestimate their value yeah so um google advanced protection check it out may not be for you but at the very least please enable as all three of us have, two-step verification on your Google accounts. It makes a you lot of sense. You can't call it two-factor two, can't you? Hmm? You can call what? Two-factor, two-step, two-factor, two-step. Carol, I will, I will point you to potato, the... Potato, potato. I will point you to the article which explains the difference. Oh, I believe everything I read. And it's, <laughs> so this is kind of like... I, I see Graham's point here, in, and I've, I've had this discussion actually with Troy, who I work with, and, and it's like, yes, 2SV and 2FA are are like these two technically separate things. But do you think like for the benefit of the kind of, you know, just your average user that we <laughs> like the distinction doesn't help. And I think two SV or Thank you, Scott. I agree hundred percent. Kind of sound a, a, a little bit further away. Like I, I've, I've tried to think of a way to, to describe these without being technical. And the best that I've come up with is double check. It's like a double check when you log in that it's definitely you. You know, and it's like, could we just do with a more friendly term that doesn't make it sound like some horrific acronym of scariness? Mm. That's a great, yeah, why not? Yeah. Because I'm sure you're not the sort of person who would bamboozle us with acronyms and oh, no, four-letter abbreviations course. and things like that, would you? <laughs> okay, Scott, you must have a story this week. Please save us. I do. So... I'm super excited about it, and it's actually the day that we're recording as well. Um, Chrome okay. version 68 has been released. So mm -hmm. if you're here in the UK where we are, <laughs> what are you laughing at? Are you laughing at my excitement <laughs> no. of a browser? Called number 68, yeah. Okay, Chrome version 68, we've got to be specific. It's coming out today. In the UK, it'll be available from 6pm onwards, so everybody can rush and update their browser. <laughs> To get the latest version of Google Chrome, I know it's high on everybody's priority list. <laughs> Are you going to tell us why we should? I want to hear why we should. So I'm sure they did lots of other really cool updates, but there's really only one that I care about. Okay. It's that they are now changing the UI indicator in the browser. So if you do the update today, 
and then you mm-hmm. go to a HTTP website, it will say not secure in the address bar all of the time. There, there's already been some situations where it might have said that, like if there was a password or a credit card input field. Uh, but yep. now it will just say it all the time on all HTTP websites forever. I am really actually excited by that. I think <laughs> that's great. a great. I really am because I was writing a story just this week for a client and it was a really nice piece of research that someone had put together a thousand pages wide. So we're talking a serious amount of work went into putting this together, this big piece of report. Mm. And I wanted to see the report and it was on an unsecured website. <sighs> and loads of journalists had quoted and put links to it. And it was an, just an HTTP. And it's all about cryptocurrency. So I, I couldn't understand why that was the case. No, yeah, we've got to... So that's good. You're saying in the new version of Chrome 68, mm-hmm. <laughs> it'll say in red, you know, oh, not oh, secure. No, 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 no. It's, it's in grey today. It's so not it will put yet. the grey one there all the time. Mm. It will be in red, I think it's later this year, isn't it? It's, it's no, I really don't think that we'll get that. Yeah. How come? Because... It's a very progressive thing. Like we're yeah. making steps towards encrypting the web, and I don't think the browser can just like flick their UI from one end of the spectrum to the other. And they're quite mm. rightly taking many small steps as the mm. web evolves. Mm-hmm. So today they're bringing in the grey not secure indicator for all HTTP sites, and then later this year the change they're bringing in. Do you know when you get the green padlock and it says secure yep. on yep. secure connections? They're taking away the word secure later this year. So what they're doing is. They're, they're pulling back the green and the positives and mm-hmm. all the good ones, mm-hmm. and they're introducing more information about when things aren't secure. So That's kind interesting. Of, they're, they're flipping the model around. Mm-hmm. Really slowly, so, you can't, so it's kind of yeah. comfortable. Yeah, exactly. You know, people <laughs> are, like, the vast majority of people are kind of averse to change anyway. And I think... Uh, Graham, do you think that's true? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so the boom. hope is that what we will get to a situation where the norm will be that they're not really giving you any information at all about the security of the website, unless there is a problem with the security of the website. So the normality, we hope, will be HTTPS. Sorry, there's another three or four five letter acronym um which which is the one which we're looking for of course but the alert will be oh they're using an unencrypted connection and so potentially there could be man in the middle attacks going on there could if you enter information on the web page as well it could be something which has been intercepted exactly do you guys know of any plugin that would prevent a visitor for like for example me working too quickly and clicking on a site that is insecure that would actually prevent me and put a big bold alert up saying you know crawl watch out so something to just stop you going to http sites altogether yeah like just giving you a warning you could maybe override it if you chose to but no, it would certainly I've not seen that but what you could do if you do use chrome as your main browser yep. so if you go to Chrome, there's a special flags page, and the you go to the address bar and do Chrome colon slash slash flags. Okay, and inside there, you can actually turn on like the big red scary warning for HTTP pages. Oh, oh what a you? cool thing. Okay, I'm looking for it right now. Crawl, this is like a glimpse into the future, Crawl. It is. Yeah, I love Scott Helm. I love when he's on the show. All of these features are already built into Chrome. All of the changes they're going to make are already there. They're just not enabled yet. But right. you can go turn them on in that special page. And the one you're looking for is Mark Non-Secure Origins. So if you just put Mark in the search box, it should be like one of the two that pop up. Yeah. You have to restart your browser to apply the changes. 
But okay. you can mark HTTP is actively dangerous, and then you will get the big red scary warning. Yeah, I've just done that. I've just, just done that. And this, this Chrome Flags thing, as I remember, it is a bit nerdy in there, isn't it? It's a little... No. Yeah. It's a little bit... It's, no, Crow, I'm just thinking it, of some of our listeners. It says here, it's a little bit allow invalid certificates for resources loaded from localhost, HTTPS. And you say disabled or enable them. Yes. So there are lots of different flags in There's there. There's a lot of them. Yes. The two that you want to look at are mark non-secure origins and then simplify HTTPS indicator. Yeah. Um, so those are the two things that are coming throughout the rest of this year and into next year. They give you quite a lot of um, flexibility under uh, mark non-secure origins. Yeah, so but enabled actually, and mark is actively dangerous or mark with a not secure warning. So that's where we're going today. Mark with a not secure warning will become the default today in Chrome 68. That will leave the only one left is mark actively dangerous. And that, I think, might come next year. So we've actually already gone most of the way through that list. And mark yeah. actively dangerous, you can enable yourself now manually. And... We will hopefully have that by default in 2019. So, Scott, I am imagining that this changed behaviour in Chrome is going to be universally welcomed. Everyone is going to be delighted that totally. web pages are now going to be, if they only use an HTTP, um, are, are going to be marked as not secure. Is that is that right? <laughs> oh, I can send you some copies of my fan mail to, to prove that. <laughs> so what has the reaction been like? Um, to be honest... Do you know, I think that most people will wake up tomorrow. I mean, certainly like UK time because it comes out like 6 p.m. local in the UK. It's going to be more exciting than Christmas, I tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Most people will wake up tomorrow morning like excited little kids and open up their websites. And I think it will come as a surprise to a lot of people. I think this will probably still come as a surprise to more people than it won't come as a surprise to. Well, and that's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting some websites to be mightily pissed off. Because they may have users saying, whoa, how come your website's no longer secure? I just think our answer is about freaking time, dude. Well, maybe it is. But I, there's going to be some fallout from this, isn't there? That, I mean, I, I don't think we can get away from that. And, you know, looking at the situation, Chrome have advertised this very widely. Mm-hmm. If you subscribe to things like Google's Webmaster Tools, they've emailed people and site operators to say, hey, you use Webmaster Tools and we've noticed you don't have HTTPS. By the way, this change is coming. It's been on the Google blog, the developer blog, the security blog. I, you know, I think, I think they've they've done more than a reasonable amount of effort to try and communicate this yeah. change. But at the same time, communicating that to everyone is probably an impossible task as well. So, the sites that care should be keeping themselves abreast of upcoming changes in the world's most popular browser. Well, that's <laughs> so. the thing, isn't it? There may be some websites which simply don't care, and they're likely to be the ones who kick up a fuss about this. But it, this is, although this is with Chrome this week, in the coming months and you know next couple of years, I would expect all of the major browsers to be following probably in Google's footsteps with this. So it it is kind of inevitable that websites, you know, if they don't like, if they don't want their users complaining, <laughs> yeah. they've got to fix this. And it has, of course, security benefits both for the website administrators and for the people who are visiting their web pages too. It is something that we need to do for sure. Mm. Well, good. I'm very pleased with that story. I'll let you know how it goes down. So, Chrome 68. Are we so far? Are we on two good stories? Two good, just good news security stories this week? Yeah, two it's great because that means I don't have to work too hard. <laughs> your topic i want to talk about venmo so venmo is a mobile payment app 
powered by PayPal. And it lets one user transfer a nominal amount of money to another user. Basically, it's like a bank card or a debit card, but it doesn't actually require a card reader. Plus, you can track all your spending in your app, right? So it's all good. Graham, you may not have heard of Venmo. I haven't heard of it, no. It's only USA-based, so that's maybe why. Now, it is big, big money. Apparently, Venmo's handled $12 billion worth of payments in 2018. Venmo has an 80% year-on-year growth, a CEO's dream. It's <laughs> almost like our growth, isn't it, Graham? In terms of listeners, absolutely. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anywho, last week, Bleeping Computer reported about an independent privacy researcher named Hang Du the Duk. I hope I said that correctly. <laughs> um, now, she published her findings based on the glut of data available from Venmo's public API. The privacy problem here is that Venmo makes its transactions public by default. And there is identifying information in here. Uh, what, what? Yes, I know. <laughs> We're going to have a really big chew on the fat in a second. <laughs> There's like 200 million public transactions that were performed last year. Right. And it's up to the user to change the setting from public to private. So by default, it's public. Yep. Oh, so boring. Once oh, well. again. Sorry, sorry to bore you. You to go to sleep, <laughs> but I'll, I'll keep our fans, our listeners interested. <laughs> <laughs> so it seems like us, our researcher Hang, is not a fan of Venbo's privacy policy uh -huh. and has built this rather cool data aggregate site full of tidbits on the spending habits for Venmo's users. And it's all to kind of raise awareness of this default setting, which is stupid, yeah. and getting people to move it to private. So if I can get you guys just to click on the links, so that's publicbydefault.fyi. Okay. You're going to see lots of information they were able to put together. You can I just see it. I'm glad I wasn't Rickrolled. It's normally what happens when I click on your links. Um, okay. I was good this time. All right. What is this? There's a lot of smiley faces. What? This is a crazy... So stop at the third page. You can actually click on this link to see the latest transaction on Venmo. And it's showing you above a screenshot of all the information that's publicly available. This includes people, username, Picture, often from Facebook, first names, last names, the date the, the transaction was created, the message that they sent for, between two individual users. What? And they've known about this since at least 2016. This is insanity. I mean, it's 2018. <laughs> How could someone think that that was a good idea, ever? <laughs> Hang was able to establish that Venmo was used in the States for 2017 for 3 million transactions involving pizza delivery. <laughs> uh, 100,000 have used it for transport. People define their payments in cute ways, right? So some people say use emojis. I always knew emojis would be the end of civilization as we know it. Like almost 2 million users have their Facebook IDs attached to their usernames. Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> right? And 18.5 million Americans have performed public transactions in 2017. So this information that Hung's put together is quite interesting, and it kind of protects you, the individual user. It's kind of really trying to alert us to the fact that, hey, Venmo, this is not cool that you're leaving this open by default. Right. On the other hand, someone else, by the name of Joel Guerra, posted a... Um, article on Medium explaining, and I'll give you the title actually, Why I Blasted Your Drug Deals on Twitter. Attention seeking, yes. Which is quite a, uh, an interesting title. So as you dig in, 
It turns out that completely unrelated to Hung's work, he also looked at the public API and wanted to do something creative to point out the lack of privacy here. Now, let me just read from his, um, his blog post. Mm-hmm. He says, I already run a squad of Twitter bots doing harmless things like giving users the contact information for their members of Congress upon request. So another Twitter bot was the natural choice. He says, I slapped together 70 lines of code and made a new Twitter account and let it run. It was automatically tweeting the names of profile pictures of users making drug transactions on Venmo. Bet everyone loved that. Is there a category that says like drug transaction true in the API? When you buy drugs via Venmo, you tag it as being a drug transaction. What he did is he used known terms that kind of like marijuana and, you know, Mary Jane and knew some of the, the terms and some of the emojis used. Oh, you seem to know a lot of them. What's, what's some more of them, Crow? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was looking it up this morning. I oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> as I was smoking a big split. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Uh, Okay, so hold on, hold on. So I chose, he says, I chose drugs, sex, and alcohol keywords as the trigger for the bot because they were funny and shocking. And he says, and this is the bit I love, I removed the last names of users, but not their pictures, because I didn't want to actually contribute to the problem of lack of privacy. No, he hasn't contributed to the problem at all, has he? No. (laughs) So this, of course, got tons of attention, right? This guy is a guy with like, I I don't know how many Twitter followers he had before this, but he now has a thousand. So he says it exploded. Um, And he was getting media queries from people like Vice and all kinds of people. And he basically turned it off after 24 hours, which makes me think that despite his comments saying that actually he had lots of positive (laughs) feedback and it was generally received with love, hmm... I'm not sure. Well, basically, every sure. drug dealer in the United States would be looking for him, presumably, because he could potentially <laughs> yeah. be ruining their, their customer base. You know, if I were buying aspirin off a friend, I'd be, why would I do that? Is that, what the, is that what the kids are calling it these days? Hopefully, if they're your friend, they just give you an aspirin. <laughs> Can I buy an aspirin off you? Hopefully, your friend will go, why well, are you no, just Now you've said you? this, Corolla. <laughs> now you've said you're prepared to pay. <laughs> <laughs> Next time you've got a migraine, I'll say, well, sorry, 75 pence. <laughs> my brain's doing this kind of like usual evil idea thing right so let me just make sure so i we both sign up for this app and then we send each other some money and we can leave a comment and this comment yep. comes up in the api so yeah why don't we just like keep sending each other like one cent backwards and forwards and then we could just like keep spamming the <laughs> api and just like rickrolling it with loads of crazy comments or something Listeners, Smashing Screen does not advocate <laughs> that anyone does this. I'm just like trying to think of ways that we could have some fun with this. Do it at your own risk. Yeah, so what's, Ven- what's Venmo saying about all this? Are they Venmo are saying very strong as far as I see so far. Of course, by the time we publish, this may be different. But here is a little bit of advice. If you are a Venmo user, there is a built-in passcode in fingerprint access on the app, but these are turned off by default. <laughs> Don't ask. So uh, it's up to you, the individual, to go in and protect your own data. On the Venmo website, under security, it says to add a layer of security to Venmo accounts, set up multi-factor authentication and add a PIN code in the app. But, but, but hang on, this is just about your access to your account. This doesn't make any difference to the information being in the public API, does it? It also, on the security page, makes this huge song and dance about how everything is encrypted. So I don't understand how they have all this encryption, yet the API is sending out all this information and making it available for anyone who wants to play with it. But somewhere in the app itself, you can turn off your, you can turn privacy on or something? 
You can apparently in the app. I can't use the app because you're Canadian. Yeah, not being in the US. Wait, that's America, right? <laughs> that's right, Scott. Uh, Canada <laughs> is part of the US. Um, so no, you can go to privacy by default dot fyi and on the site hang has put all the instructions to change your venmo setting okay for transactions to be private rather than public okay that's that's really what people need to do don't they if they're using this app they've got to turn off that sharing of that data well yes and be careful because people don't have pin codes some guy on reddit was saying how he'd lent his phone to a a, you know someone he knew but not a friend (laughs) and he basically paid himself money (laughs) Oh, and boy. he didn't notice till the next day. <laughs> so, um, yeah. No, you can't borrow my phone, Mr. Cleely. <laughs> <laughs> and to quote a friend, Lisa Vass, friend of the show, who's been on before, um, she wrote an article about this, and she says, advise your friends to zip up their Venmo pants. <laughs> so I'll, uh, I'll echo that. Can I just point out, being British, I don't have a zip on my pants. That no, would be very, well, very dangerous indeed. Okay, so Graham, just for you and for your English friends who don't wear pants on the outside, why don't you zip up your, your Venmo sports slacks? I'm not sure why Graham doesn't have a zip on his pants and I'm English. I'm just, what am I missing? <laughs> he calls them trousers. Yeah, but trousers still have zips. Yeah, trousers do, but I don't have a, I don't have a zip on my underpants. <laughs> that would hurt in the pubes. That would be, oh, shut <laughs> That's the explicit tag again. Oh, so Graham's recording this in his underpants is where we arrived at. <laughs> you, you imagine he looked down and went, oh, I don't see that. <laughs> at this point, I think we need to look forward to something else. Hey, Graham. Hey, Carol. Hey, Graham. LastPass has this automated password generator. So no more do you have to sit there and dream up silly long passwords that mean nothing to you. You can just press a button and presto, you've got a 25 character, 50 character password that's impossible to guess. Will it put all kinds of crazy characters in? You can choose to put them in or not, depending on the website, because some websites don't let you do the crazy characters, do they? Blinking websites which don't allow you to have decent passwords. Oh, grumble, grumble. Check out lastpass.com slash smashing. I'm glad you said slash that time. You're welcome. And welcome back. And you join us at our favourite time of the show, the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the week. Pick of the week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. It could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website, or an app. Whatever <laughs> they like. It doesn't have to be security related necessarily. Should not be. And my pick of the week this week is a TV show which I've been watching, and I think it's just finished. Um, it, I don't know if it airs in the States as well as in the UK. I've been watching it on BBC iPlayer. And my reason for, for bringing it to your attention right now is that the first episode is going to disappear off BBC iPlayer very, very soon. The programme is called Reporting Trump's First Year, The Fourth Estate. And it is a fascinating fly-on-the-wall documentary following the New York Times during, of course, the first 12 months of Donald Trump's presidency. And uh, it starts at the beginning of his presidency. Turns out there was quite a lot to report on. (laughs) Uh, 
and quite a lot of goings on. And it is fascinating to anyone, whatever side of the political fence you may stand on, anyone who's interested by the fractious relationship between the media and politics, not just in the States, but all around the world, I would really recommend it. It doesn't just follow the Trump story, follows as well Harvey Weinstein and the accusations of uh, his unpleasant sexual shenanigans. Just something I just decided to look up, right? So they started what that was that started right after his presidential election, right? So November, yep. November seventeen. That's when that happened. Uh, yeah, I don't around know when the documentary actually starts, but yes, so but around that, that time, sort of trig- that sort of triggers it. Yes, if you go look at the New York Times uh, stock price, right? It's mm-hmm. gone up almost in line with Trump's candidacy and ascent to power. <laughs> mm. Mm. Well, there's a lot of people now who are more interested in the news than ever, and many people are supporting the media and choosing to buy subscriptions, for instance, to the digital versions or to the websites, um, because they view that the media are under attack. Um, Yeah, that makes sense. I get that. So it's it's a great documentary. Really recommend it. It's fascinating to see the newsroom in operation, and you see people that you may recognise the names of people like Maggie Haberman, for instance. Mm -hmm. Every time she gets in the car, her phone is ringing from her secret sources, giving her information as to what the new thing is that's happened at the White House. Um, It is is fascinating you've been telling me about this for weeks and i it is on my list and i will watch it uh this evening you've got to watch it soon before it disappears off iplayer we will put a link into the bbc iplayer in the show notes as well good pick graham thank you very much krill and uh scott what's your pick of the week my pick of the week is security related it's a website i know right oh everyone's heard so much about this uh, it's a website that I've kind of been working on with another researcher called Troy Hunt. Have you never heard of him? Show? Never heard of him. He's like he's like he's just, he's like the Australian version of me. So he speaks funny and isn't as good looking. Um, <laughs> I'd agree with that. <laughs> it's um, it's a website that we kind of like jointly build together called whynohttps.com. Ah, oh, doesn't that fit in well with everything we talked about? So, is this yeah, website this protected is- itself with HTTPS? Of course, because okay. all websites need to be protected with HTTPS. Just grade. checking. Um, some people may be familiar with the Alexa ranking, not the smart home personal voice assistant thing, but the Alexa ranking rank websites around the world, and they produce this list called their top one million every day. So it was like the biggest one million websites. And what I do is I crawl through them all with my fleet of crawlers on the interwebs every day, and I look at which ones are using HTTPS and which ones aren't. This website is the list of the largest websites that don't do HTTPS yet. So if you go to whynohttps.com and scroll down, you can see the top 100 websites that are not doing HTTPS yet. Tut, double tut. This is shocking. Some of the names here are shocking. I know, right? And you've also split them by country as well, haven't you? Yeah, so if you zip past the list of 100 down at the bottom, you can then look at the top 50 on a per-country basis. So if I just zip down here and <laughs> let's go to GB or Canada, you can see the top 50 in your country that don't do HTTPS by default. Royal Bank? Here in the UK, the highest-ranked website, which is not using HTTPS. Don't say it. Don't say it. I'm going to. Don't do it. Yeah, I'm going to. No. <laughs> they can't stop me. The highest ranked website is the Daily Mail. Blah. Which Sorry. means <laughs> that people could be injecting malicious or unpleasant stuff into that website and the people visiting it wouldn't realise. And people have to log in to leave comments as well on that site. 
No, but maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe that's what's been happening this whole time. <laughs> maybe that's what's wrong with the Daily Mail. So they you can't trust the Daily Mail website, can you, until you get HTTPS? No, and this is a technical, provable <laughs> reason to not trust them. Probably can't trust it afterwards either. So, so you and Troy, you've put this website together. It's a fantastic little thing. Um, uh-huh. And you can find out which websites in your neck of the woods are misbehaving. And maybe you can sort of, you know, Send them a tweet and say, Oi, get it sorted. <laughs> um, guys, guys. Uh-huh. What this is found? raising a problem from my pick of the week. Oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. So my pick of the week, interestingly, is on your list. <gasps> but I have it as HPS. So my pick of the week is newsnow.co.uk. This was a news site aggregator I used to use a long time ago. And I've been using it. Is this in the GB list? Sorry, just so I sorry. Newsnow.co.uk. So it's in the uh, UK HTTPS. rankings. One, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, no, I've just I've literally just clicked on it, and I'm on I'm on HTTP. Oh. So if you just click that, so this is one of the things that comes up because, like, we've had a lot of issues with geosensitive websites. So there are some websites, for example, that are HTTPS in America, but HTTP in Europe. And people are like, hey, this, you know, this thing does this. And it's like, ah, but then if you VPN to America, you get the HTTPS version. So sites do do crazy things. But if I click on that right now and go through, I do go to HTTPS. See, mine goes to HTTPS, yeah. but that might be picking it up from my local, uh, my cache. Uh, mine is going to HTTPS as well. Try an incognito window and then see. Ah, now I've, now I've opened it in an incognito window. And it stayed on HTTP, whereas in my main browser it didn't. Oh yeah, mine. Yes, that happened to me as well, Graham. So okay, so it's only if you're logged in. So that's why we see it as. And this is a kind of weird thing, right? Because there's been a few scenarios like that where we've just seen now, like live. <laughs> if if you're logged in, they'll give you HTTPS, but if you're not, they won't. And obviously, we're not logged in. Yeah. What we've what we've kind of proven is that. It's HTTP sometimes and not others. And that means that they're not using HTTPS yeah. all the time by default, which means that they're not doing it properly. And that's kind of our our point. Right. I don't know if it's my pick of the week anymore. I'm just going to not, I'm not going to have a pick of the week this week. There you go. Are you going to controversially potentially revoke yep. your pick of the week? Yep. I'm revoking my pick of the week. Oh, this is only happening. I apologize to you all. Very rare. And uh, let's hope next week I do a better job. <laughs> If I'm invited back. <laughs> and on that bombshell, please, people, make sure you listen to the next episode of Smashing Security <laughs> to see if Carol is here. <laughs> Scott, if people want to find out more about you, what's the best way they can do that? Uh, probably through my blog, scotthelm.co.uk. has all my infos and Twitters and Facebook. Fantastic. And, and if you want to listen to more episodes of the Smashing Security podcast, you can go to smashingsecurity.com. On Twitter, you can follow us at smashinsecurity. No G. Twitter wouldn't allow us to have a G. And you can buy T-shirts and mugs and stickers and things like that at smashingsecurity.com slash store. Until next time, all that remains is to say thank you to everybody for coming along. Thank you for listening and tuning in. If you like the show, rate it on Apple Podcasts. And thank you to the loads of people that said nice things this week. We got a bunch of lovely reviews and um, I was, I loved them. So thank you. Keep them coming. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Until next time. Cheerio. Bye bye. Bye. Bye.
Wait, hang on, hang on. Hang on. S- Scott, Scott, you're not going to say goodbye? He did. Did he? Oh, I, I didn't say... Oh, I didn't hear him. Yeah, Scott. Graham, this is, this is the, not the first time. Am I getting time. a bit deaf? Yes! <laughs> well, have you not heard me say that before? <laughs> <laughs> the irony is lost. <laughs> <laughs> you know we're still recording, right? Oh yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> Psst! If you're still listening, remember, please visit smashingsecurity.com/forward/slash/vote so that you can register your vote for Smashing Security in the upcoming podcast awards. We need your help, guys. Thanks.